You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Um, welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hey, Ben. All right, just you and I today. That's it? That sounds exciting. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm full of rock star energy drink. I feel amazing. Ugh. And, uh, yeah, man, I can. what do you want you, me to do? You feel like a bass player? I feel like I'm wearing a codpiece. <laughs> That's for damn sure. I do. I feel like I'm on stage and all the girls are like, keep your shirt on. <laughs> it's kind of different than uh, what they yelled at Brett Michaels from Poison in his prime. Much different. Yeah. Yes, they requested he release his shirt, release his nipples to the crowd for me. Me, it's a little bit different, uh, more of a guar thing. They like to see me kind of more covered and looking monstrous. Armored. I would have been a great member of guar. You would have been perfect as guar. You're gigantic. You're already yeah. half a monster. Half a monster? <laughs> Come on. Well, thanks for the compliment. I said half. No, I want to be full. <laughs> okay, okay. No, being a monster is fine. Monsters <laughs> always have the best personalities because they have to. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? That's sad. Uh, so on the last episode of the show, by the way, thanks so much for listening, man. We just went through the numbers. We're absolutely crushing it. Yeah. It's all because of you guys. It's so, amazing. Thank you guys so much. And thanks for telling all your friends to listen yeah. to us and all that. We really do appreciate it. It's unbelievable. Uh, guys and gals, uh, you know that. Um, all right. So last episode, we talked a bit about fake news and the dissemination of misinformation and how it's sort of been prevalent in this 2016 ele- uh, election cycle for both sides. Um, but it did seem to be a little bit more um, prominent on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of different sort of news sites such as Breitbart and, and, and Drudge would pick these things up and of course uh, Infowars and, and some of the information on Infowars and Breitbart is actually valid and we can't discredit everything they do. On the last episode we sort of went into detail how the Russians uh, are sort of complicit in in disseminating the fake news that again have been sort of dominating people's iPhones and, uh, and uh, Samsung galaxies and all over the internet in in other words. But Marcus, you want to correct the record on a few things. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, after that uh, report came out, of course, it was originally reported by the Washington Post, which is where I originally picked it up. Uh, and then, of course, looked into it uh, a little bit further. So, of course, you know, being reported by the Washington Post, uh, Washington Post is a, a very respectable journalistic news source. So, sure. you know, it definitely gave it a little bit more weight than if it was just a story out there in the ether. But I mean, really, uh, with all of this, I should have taken my own advice. It turns out that this report is extremely biased. Okay. Uh, the uh, the the site the list of sites that they gave is two hundred sites uh, that were possible disseminators of uh, Russian propaganda. Uh, they put anybody who posted any sort of pro-Russia uh, story uh, on their website. It was extremely broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't necessarily all that, um, I guess, specific with where they were getting their sources. And when they were criticized, they acted like a bunch of spoiled teenagers. Right, on their Twitter. They acted uh, like uh, Donald Trump himself. Yeah, and they, they used uh, emoticons and uh, said motherfucker, like oh, mother, fascist motherfuckers, oh, fascist motherfuckers are uh, attacking us, and that does not inspire confidence. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they also, like the the war on the rocks piece that we talked about that was that was some pretty solid stuff uh but you know and they used something from uh, some things from uh, this site prop or not uh who uh they 
they say that they are made up of over 30 professionals, like 30 experts. Okay. But they won't say who any of them are. They Ooh. won't actually come out and say who any of these experts actually are. Uh, so it was not necessarily, I would say it was bad journalism. And it was, and I got to apologize in this, bad journalism on, on, on my part as well. Uh, however... It is still a problem. The Russians, oh, you know, the Russian propaganda stuff, it is it does still exist. It is an actual problem. Uh just not necessarily uh as big of a problem as uh we may have thought. I mean, I think really at the end of the day, uh whether it is the Russians or not the Russians, it doesn't really matter too much. All that matters is that we as Americans fight back every way that we can by right. really thinking critically about the types of news that uh, the type of news that we consume and what we actually put out there into the world. And I do want to say you said the word mother clucker. That's what I say <laughs> because somebody did notice uh, a person who purged through many episodes I believe maybe it was of Roundtable or Last Podcast or perhaps Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, the show you're listening to now uh, made a note that I've been swearing less over the years. You really had. I, I remember we yes. had this conversation. <clears throat> yes. Many years have gone by since we've been doing this. I was a young child once, <laughs> and now I only swear occasionally. But of course, uh, you know, taking into account fake news and, uh, and, and sort of how that can corrupt, there were definitely some... Uh, news sites and, and some entities such as WikiLeaks that no doubt the Russians could not get enough of. Yeah. And uh, and they certainly were thrilled to hear the inner workings of America's uh, democracy and uh, they were more than thrilled to see Bernie Sanders become Henry Wallace, what Henry Wallace was in 44 and specifically in 1948 when he ran against Harry Truman and they totally derailed his candidacy. He was the populist leftist who was then taken over by the statist Truman, who was then uh, joked about uh, by the uh, elitists that put him in power, discussing how they could put uh, basically a, a bellboy mm -hmm. uh, in the presidency, and uh, they could still be able to run the country. And certainly we have a uh, interesting bellboy in there now. <laughs> but before we get to Donald Trump, and his Twitter is, is has been fascinating to say the least, uh, he had a conversation with the president of Taiwan, which angered the Chinese. We did a little bit of research. In 1949, the communists took over in China. The current leaders of the time went over to Taiwan and uh, they had their own uh, you know, their own civilization. Technically still the same country, but with two systems. And uh, they are still at war mm -hmm. uh, by the definition of war. They've never stopped it. Uh, but if the Taiwanese people are intelligent, uh, they won't have one because <laughs> they are extremely small yeah. next to the Chinese. Tiny. Uh, I don't think it would last very long. No. And of course, uh, so Donald Trump spoke with, uh, with, the, with the president of Taiwan, angering the Chinese. We're going to get into a little bit of detail on that. Mike Pence equated it to um, Barack Obama reaching out uh, in olive branch to uh, Castro's Cuba. Except, uh, of course, Donald Trump is the hero in this situation where he's Obama is the villain. Sure. And uh, so you know, we'll talk a little bit about diplomacy and for the first time, or not for the first time, but for the first time, not for Marcus and I, not for the first time, but for many Americans, diplomacy is going to be on the forefront and the frontal lobe of, of the American uh, people's minds. And really, that is the uh, a benefit of Donald Trump is when you have a toddler in office, like all good parents, we have to watch them. <laughs> we have to, like, you know, cover up the, uh, you know, cover up the electrical sockets, just make sure that the kid isn't doing too... Uh, uh, too much damage mm -hmm. to the house that we have just, you know, recently refurbished. <laughs> um, but I want to go uh, to the Democrats really quickly here. It seems to me as if they are just beating the same drum and that drum is uh, deflated. Yeah. And uh, I'm not quite sure why they continue to go down the same route. Of course, Barack Obama blamed the loss of uh, of Hillary Clinton on Fox News. Um, there was uh, more Democrats are blaming it on fake news, fake news, yeah. other things like that. And of course, Nancy Pelosi, being the leader of the Democratic Party, was recently challenged by a man named Tim Ryan. Not to be confused with Paul Ryan, Tim Ryan doesn't quite do as much P90X. <laughs> uh, absolutely not. He's a little bit heavier. But he challenged Nancy Pelosi, and for the first time, uh, it was considered to be a little bit of a contested um, challenge. She was able to get 134 votes to stay in power, and uh, Tim Ryan got 68 
um, uh, of, of the uh, of the Democratic caucus, 68 votes. So it did send a message that the old guard made some massive mistakes and they need to change, but not quite enough uh, for the establishment to get rid of Nancy Pelosi. I think part of it is optics, mm-hmm. uh, having Hillary Clinton be the first female presidential candidate, the top of a ticket for the first time in this nation's history, for them then to oust Nancy Pelosi, I think would have looked bad. And the Democrats, they definitely enjoy um, their optics. And I think also it is just the amount of fundraising that Nancy Pelosi has been able to accomplish for the Democratic Party is absolutely astonishing. But for what? Well, as we saw with Donald Trump's, the billions of dollars in free media and just the unbelievable utilization of social media, money isn't what it once was. No. And I'm, I mean, they t- talk about her as a, a fundraising machine, but fundraising failed at every turn. They lost everything this election. They absolutely did. And this is one of the slippery... This has been going on for the Democrats ever since 2010. Right now, there are currently only 18 Democratic governors, uh, 193 House members, 48 senators. There's 30 state legislators that are Republican and only 11 that are Democrat. So they really have been losing ground ever since uh, 2010. Obviously, Obama had the Congress and they they pushed through Obamacare with, with some of the good things that came with it and some of the bad things that went along with it as well. And ever since then, the American people have been on this slow march towards ousting the Democratic establishment when it comes to local government and then, of course, uh, when we get a little bit more macro as well. So it shouldn't come as a surprise what happened in this recent election, specifically on the down uh, uh, ballots, which, of course, everyone was talking about Trump screwing over the down ticket ballot. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going to be much of a concern. And I had Trump losing, but I thought people would just sort of go over a quarter inch on their with their marker stick. I think they could have figured it out. Yeah. but it is fascinating to see them stick with the same guard, you know, the Chuck Schumers of the world and Nancy Pelosi's of the world, who have promised to work with Donald Trump on things like uh, on trade and on paid family leave and some of Donald Trump's more liberal ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a massive mistake for the Democrats what they're doing right now, telling the American people that Nancy Pelosi should be uh, continue to be the head of the party when in reality she has done absolutely nothing other than raise money, which was sort of the uh, hypocrisy of the Clinton campaign that a lot of people, specifically people on the left who supported Bernie Sanders, called her out for. Mm-hmm. So I think the Democratic Party, if they really want to get somebody new in 2020, you've got to start getting new leadership. And, uh, you know, the Clintons purged the the um, individuals in the Democratic Party for 25 years. They basically purged anyone that was powerful. You know, the Clintons were ran the Democratic Party since 1992, and Barack Obama pretty much came out of nowhere. And uh, obviously it was the 2004 DNC speech that he gave that sort of really got people's attention uh, towards him, and he was such a wonderful speaker. And that speech of 2004, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. A star was made. Yeah. That was his, uh, he was like Liza Minnelli up there. <laughs> Liza Minnelli? Or That's who you pull out? Barbara Streisand from Yentl. <laughs> a star was made. <laughs> A star was made that day. And then in 2008, of course, that was supposed to be Hillary's big year. And uh, the American people once again said no to dynastic politics. Hmm. Um, so it, it, it did surprise me that the Democrats have been out there. It, uh, Mr. Mook as well, the guy who Mooks who ran uh, a lot of Hillary's campaign, blamed, uh, just blaming everybody other than themselves. And I say this out of love uh, for people who, who vote for the Democrats and, and, and for leftist individuals who are listening. I say this out of love. They got to change their direction because if they don't, uh, we're going to continue to see these really bizarre populist uprisings uh, from the right. Now, let me ask you, was that vote for Pelosi, was that a public vote? No, that's in the House. Yeah, no, I'm no by public. I mean, were uh, people I mean, like, did people have to come House. out and say like I vote for Pelosi or I vote for whoever, or was it a secret ballot? Was it a public ballot or a secret ballot? Pretty much. Well, I would assume in this situation it would be public. I know, I know, Paul uh, uh, Tim Ryan got a lot of people. The 68 people that supported him were very vocal about it. Okay, so you pretty much kind of know where the thing where, where it lies. I'm not sure the exact logistics of how they voted. I would assume it would be an up or down yes or no vote. Yeah. Right. Well, I really do think, I think with the Democrats with this, uh, is that they're just showing they don't really care. That they don't actually care about the people. They don't actually care about the party. They only care about themselves. That the establishment Democrats only care about themselves. And it's the exact same thing that happened with Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, is that they showed that they did not care about the party. They did not care about, 
they didn't even really care about winning. They only cared about putting their person up there. Whose turn is it? Whose turn is it next? Uh, and of course, I think, you know, you say like Barack Obama came out of nowhere. I think that amazingly pissed them off that somebody was able to just kind of come up uh, out of turn uh, and take Hillary Clinton's spot. And I think that made them. I think that made them very wary of anybody uh, having any sort of threat towards their establishment policies and their establishment, and not even really policies, just their positions. That's what they care about. They don't care about policy. They care about position. They care about power, and that's it. And the Democrats are really showing their ass on this worse than anybody ever has. I mean, you know, and you look at this 2016 campaign, and we did talk about like this, uh, you know, the Bernie Bros uh, phenomenon, which I do not believe was ever a phenomenon whatsoever, it was cl- uh, created by the Clinton campaign. It was created by the same woman that created the Obama boys yeah. um, rhetoric back in 2007 when they were campaigning for the presidency uh, and or for the nomination. And um, it did seem like everything, the, the, the Clinton camp, uh, because, you know, the DNC in general and the Clinton camp uh, working in, in cahoots with them, they just did not refurbish anything. No. You know, they took an old car to the tracks and there's a new nitrous in town. You know, it was just so classic um, what they just tried to redo in 2016. And it failed, uh, you know, not much, not as much as it did in 2008 because, of course, she did get the nomination. But at the end of the day, it failed when the when the biggest game uh, was being played. And it is interesting to see this party that is supposed to be progressive, that that is supposed to be the, the, the party of new, the party of uh, of creative thinking, the party of like, what is what are some abstract ways to achieve uh, greatness in this nation? It seems like they are the status uh, the uh, you know they, there is there's no water flowing through that river. It just seems like it's it's uh, it's it's frozen over right now, and the Republicans are skating all over them because of it. So they need to really change um, the core of their party if they want to maintain relevance. I mean, Donald Trump is going to help them out quite a bit, and we can yeah. get into talking about <laughs> Donald Trump now. Donald, I mean, you want to talk about showing your ass in power? I mean, the Democrats as a party uh, have shown everybody that all they care about is power. Donald Trump is about to show personally that all he cares about is power, and he's also going to show everybody how bad he is at wielding it. Well, okay, so let's just go on. Uh, so that's that's my that's our little piece on on the DNC uh, and, and the Democratic Party as a whole. I, I think they have to become the party of ideas. Uh, we desperately need them to be the party of ideas in this country, or we're going to continue to go down this really bizarre route that we're currently seeing now with Donald Trump. I think they've got to get just. They've also got to get back to populist roots. I mean, they they have to get that Bernie Sanders style of. Uh, of ruling and that or that Bernie Sanders style of uh, campaigning, they have to get back to populism. Absolutely, and that was. And there's a great article in the Huffington Post. And I'm not sure if we talked about this on the last episode, discussing how the Hillary Clinton campaign lost. I mean, yeah. they just took these states for granted. They just they go by um, their identity politics so much, and they just take these numbers so literally, and they they forget the human behind those numbers. And that's why when Trump went over to the Midwest, when everyone thought he was just getting shellacked over there, and everyone was stunned, and uh, you know uh, they thought he was unbelievably stupid for going to states like Wisconsin. It turned Turns out that was the smartest thing he's ever done. But if you do want to like, oh, is Donald Trump stupid? Yeah, you just got to go to his Twitter. <laughs> so he's dumb about He wasn't dumb about going to Wisconsin, but he is definitely acting. Well, Kellyanne Conway was smart about going to Wisconsin. And he listened to her. So that was that was good. So just a few things with Donald Trump right now. This has there has been nothing more fun than watching these Trump loyalists, the Ann Coulters of the world. <laughs> Joe Walsh, he's a former congressman, not the singer. <laughs> not Rocky Mountain Way. Not Rocky Mountain Way or Life's Been Good to Me So Far. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you ever listen to Life's Been Good to Me So Far, you know, it is just a, it's a brag. <laughs> he is just bragging. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. He well, was he was a Eagles. fun guy. He was driving. Oh, is he? That's why we had this conversation yeah. before. I always forget he was an eagle. 
That's correct. <clears throat> but Trump's basically, he, he's an economic, uh, an economic isolationist. And this is fairly liberal in a lot of ways. He's promising a 35% tariff on anybody leaving or coming to the nation, any, any companies uh, coming into the country and or leaving. So he has the, he has the deal that he did with Carrier, uh, Carrier AC, which, um, Marcus, can you Google how much of a tax break Carrier is going to get over the next 10 years? One of the great ironies about this Carrier AC deal that a lot of people um, that supported Donald Trump are, are talking about is, uh, you know, praising him for, this is the exact same thing Obra- uh, Barack Obama did with, with companies like Solyndra and other ones that were more successful than Solyndra. And the right freaked. They, they, they had to wear diapers for a week. They were dumping so hard. <laughs> I mean, they went nuts. And Donald Trump is doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's given a Carrier a $7 million yes. uh, incentive package with tax breaks and reduced regulations. That's Yeah, so it's a thousand jobs, 300 of which would have already been uh, saved anyway. They weren't going to move them. Yeah. And, but it, what, it did, it did um, win the narrative uh, for his big, he's on a thank you tour now. Mm-hmm. This is sort of, he's like Lady Gaga. He is on a, it is unreal. He is on a thank you tour, which happens when Barack Obama did it, the right demonized him. I don't have a problem with a president going and, and thanking the specific states, uh, such as Ohio, where he was this past week, and, and letting the crowd know, like, you know, letting the people know that he was grateful for their support. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely still seems as if he's in campaign mode. Yeah. He hasn't removed his hair and put on his presidential hair. <laughs> he's, in, he's, in, he's in his campaign hair still. And uh, some of the things that, and we're going to get into the American flag burning and stuff like that. But you know, some of the things he's discussing uh, to this crowd, uh, it, it is it is uh, it, it is fascinating to watch a populist president mixed with. Um, bizarre social conservatism, mm-hmm. and uh, and the crowd was just eating up every single thing that he said, and he was temp- attempting to unite, but uh, you know he he just he he's an interesting way of doing that. Yeah, and he also uh, admitted that like the whole carrier thing, he didn't really mean that. He didn't remember. He said. <laughs> He's like, carrier. carrier won't leave. He said it was a euphemism. Yes, I believe he said it was a euphemism. Oh, you don't know what a euphemism is. No, he doesn't. <laughs> um, it's we have our friend Travis Irvine on on a regular basis. He works with a man named Roger Stone, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say it, but Roger Stone believes that Donald Trump's a total moron. Mm-hmm. Everyone believes it uh, yeah, at this point. The inner and and one of the things that is consistently brought up by people who are on the inside is the 24th Amendment, and the 24th Amendment basically. Allows the um, allows the a cabinet to uh, tell the Congress that this president is not suitable for the office. This yeah. person is dangerously bad at the job. I mean, Palin's already turning against him. That's good. Sarah Palin came out and said that the the deal is crony capitalism. Well, of course. I mean, this is not conservative. This is, I mean, no. free market was yeah. that was all Reagan. Yeah, I mean, that was, exactly. Joe Walsh came out and said uh, in his tweet, "Somebody please talk to President-elect Trump and explain to him how the free market works and how capitalism works, please." Joe Walsh was so up uh, Trump's butt, it was ridiculous. I mean, he was <laughs> wiping his nose from the inside like yeah. he was cleaning Washington's nose at Mount Rushmore. I mean. <laughs> It was insane. So now these people who I don't know what they I don't know what Trump they were choosing to listen to uh, when he was running. And we've talked about this the entire primary, the entire primary cycle. Trump is this kind of horoscope of hodgepodge political philosophies and things like that. So you really could. I think they just loved the border. (laughs) <laughs> they, they 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 loved uh, the idea of a wall on it, and now of course Donald Trump has said it's going to have huge doors, <laughs> almost <laughs> rotating doors. Like not only are they coming to America, they also feel like they're walking into a Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it's totally funny and interesting to watch him backtrack on a lot of these policies that most people knew he was just uh, you know speaking it, in uh, you know just, just hello talk just yeah. It's all pillow talk. That's it. Yeah, that, that's, that's it. all his campaign was, was pillow talk. Yes, just just trying to win the hearts of the person he was trying to have sex with. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they definitely, when you vote for somebody, I suppose that's the uh, that's the equivalent of it. Oh, yeah, Ann Coulter's definitely having some morning after regrets. Oh, absolutely. And she would love to go take a pill to make it seem like this just didn't happen, but it did. <laughs> she, yep, her tweet was, sounds like the big sellout is coming. Oh, well, the voters did what we could. If Trump <laughs> sells out, it's not our fault. No, it's not your fault. You fucking... 
You know, it is interesting. <laughs> you know, these, these people, you can't wash your hands of it. Yeah. You know, and I was I would hold the, uh, the the people who voted for Hillary Clinton to the exact same standard. I mean, you you if you've cast a vote for an individual, what that person does reflects on you. If you didn't realize that Donald Trump was talking completely um, in 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 uh, I don't want to say it was an analogy, but it was just grandiose political theater. Yeah. Um, was the whole wall thing because now of course he's talking about how a lot of times there's a river there, so you don't need a wall or there's <laughs> mountains basically the exact same thing that we have now yeah um so maybe he'll make a symbolic you know 10 foot wall mm-hmm. 10 foot long wall or something like that but i don't think that's going to happen so it's fascinating to see these conservatives kind of just realize that they were taken advantage of and taken for a ride and there's nothing more thrilling and nothing that gives me greater satisfaction than seeing ann coulter and people like joe walsh realize that they were the fools that let this man be the next president of the United States of America. Yeah, not just let, but pushed him into. Like, I mean, yeah, remember Tr- uh, Coulter's book in Trump We Trust? Of course. And as soon as <laughs> the day, she should have, it was a good omen when uh, the day that that book was released, he, he told him he, he was starting to scale back his immigration policy already. Yeah, exactly. And now people are turning against Ann Coulter. Like, there I'm are sure. even more tweets like, Ann Coulter is the scum in the swamp. Guess we need bleach, too. His um, followers are intense. I mean, when yeah. he was in Ohio, he dissed on John Kasich. Um, he won Ohio by nine points. I mean, unbelievable. He dissed on John Kasich, and that crowd turned on Kasich, uh, you know, faster than, uh, you know, I would I, I would turn and, and uh, God knows. I mean, it is, it is ridiculous how much his followers, this is not a political party. Trump is Trump. It's a fan his, club. His, it is a fan club. Yeah. And I loved the uh, Burger King Kids Club. I was always <laughs> I was a fan of wheels. He was in a wheelchair. Um, So I just want to read the Trump tweets regarding the carrier deal because the conclusion, it it just proves that he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. Tweet number one, without retribution or consequence is wrong. There will be a tax on our soon to be strong border of 35% for these companies. Dot, 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 dot. Wanting to sell their <laughs> products, cars, AC units, etc., back across the border. This tax will make leaving financially difficult, but... Dot, 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 dot. These companies are able to move between all 50 states with no tax or tariff being charged. Please, please be forwarded, please be forewarned prior to making a very expensive mistake. In all caps, the United States is open for business. <laughs> But by definition, what he just said was that it's not <laughs> because he's not for the free market. Yeah. So it's closed for business. Yeah. That's what he's saying. But he doesn't even he has no concept. So basically, yes, if you leave this country, you have a 35 percent tax uh, levied against you. Um, it is absolutely fascinating. So conservatives are, are livid about yeah. uh, about that series of tweets in particular. Yeah. I mean, I think people are uh, starting to realize that they did not elect a businessman. They elect a salesman, which are two very different things. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Um, that's a good point, And that's exactly what he is. And then uh, let's go now to to the left that's upset. Why is the left upset with Donald Trump? Um, not because of what he's doing with with the jobs necessarily. If they're upset with Trump, then they would have to um, be upset with a lot of what Barack Obama did as well. Uh, the left is upset because Donald Trump can't seem to stop watching SNL one <laughs> and can't, can't stop tweeting about it. Too. Yeah, and can't stop tweeting about sketches that are about him compulsively tweeting. Yes. So there was a. Now, I didn't actually watch this sketch. Did you watch this sketch? I didn't watch it. I mean, it's all the same. It's all the same. I can't look at Alec Baldwin. I mean, it's. I can't look at Alec Baldwin without thinking about how it should be Anthony Tamanek. I. I, Oh, yes. Anthony Tamanek would have been absolutely wonderful if you get a chance to watch him on The View. Did we mention this on the last show? No, I didn't know he was on The View. He was on The View election night. (laughs) Oh. So it was supposed to be because the Tamanek's Trump, it's not like there's a guy named Johnny D who is now Conan's uh, Trump guy. And we used to use him uh, when I was producing over there at Red Eye on Fox. Uh, We used to use him. He's great, but he's a very commercial Trump. Yeah. He's very funny, but there's nothing controversial about him. He's a fluffy Trump. He's a fluffy Trump, a lovable Trump. Yeah. Um, But Atamanik was the dark side of Trump. You know, the devil, like, you know. He's the demonic Trump. He's the id id of Trump. Right. Yeah. And uh, he would have been absolutely fantastic. So he was on The View November 8th as Ohio was coming in. So they knew that (laughs) Trump was about to win. Basically, at that point, if you, for those that watch the election live, uh, like the majority of the country, I hope anyway, you, 
week, the the tide was turning for Trump right away. There yeah. was never a moment where Hillary had any ground at all. No. It just, you know, I mean, remember, I remember people cheering when she won California like she had just won a swing state. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good. Yeah. People she re- won the state <laughs> she was supposed to win. I remember I was out on the balcony and I, hear, I heard cheering and I looked over and saw California and I said under my breath, are you people fucking kidding me? Yeah, man. Like, <laughs> you're cheering California? Jesus. Yeah, it's like throwing a party for your kid after they got like a C on a test. You're like, okay, (laughs) you're kind of supposed to do that at least. So Trump tweeted about about Saturday Night Live, just tried watching Saturday Night Live, unwatchable, totally biased, not funny, and the Baldwin impersonation just can't get any worse. Sad. It's been a while since we had a sad. When I saw the sad, I kind of got happy. It isn't It isn't bad. Sad. Sad. But yes, so that was Trump watching SNL. I don't know. He probably would have liked uh, or would like a Tim version of him better. I think he would definitely like Anthony's um, version better. So he was on The View November 8th. Ohio is called Joy Behar and, and Whoopi, who is apparently, by the way, I work. I, I know somebody now who is working on The View. Apparently Whoopi Goldberg is one of the nicest people. That's what I hear from everybody. Yeah, so that's so good to hear. I, every time, anytime a celebrity is nice, especially like Whoopi, who is a little bit controversial sometimes, mm-hmm. I've been pro-Whoopi ever since, oh my God. Yeah. For a very long time. Theodore Rex. No, what was Theodore Rex was a great one. What was the movie <laughs> she made with Ted Danson? Living in America? Was it Living in America? Oh, uh, it was something like that. A, a, a Talmudic is up there doing Trump, or he's sitting with the panel doing Trump, and they are just stunned and shocked. And Anthony is in a very precarious position of being the current living embodiment of the person they believe to be the devil. <laughs> and he's still just like, you know, tried to do the character. He did a great job. But my God, is that some funny footage? So if you want to watch that on YouTube, I, I highly recommend it. So, I mean, what what is the movie? Uh, I haven't oh, found no, it. Oh, it's, no, it's something America. Yeah, it's some definitely America. Made in America. Made in America. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, uh, they ride the elephant at the end and Ted Danson wears blackface. Well, that wasn't the blackface was at a roast, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it was in that movie too. I think was it? I think he did it a lot. He got in trouble for that. I remember <laughs> people didn't people didn't like that bartender from Cheers wearing blackface so much. I guess. Um, so yes, so it is unbelievable that he hasn't stopped any of these, uh, you know, of this of this Twitter activity. And it's tough. Marcus and I were talking before the show. It's it's difficult to keep your finger on the pulse of of what's happening yeah. because so much is happening. Um, specifically, again, like with 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 diplomacy uh, with, with Taiwan, and he he had a conversation with the leader of Pakistan. And uh, Marcus, do you want to read some of what that conversation said? It it sounds like. Um, a parent trying to get their child into an accelerated course. <laughs> like, he's just talking about how much he loves the Pakistani people. Of course, earlier, uh, maybe it was 2014, he talks about how the Pakistanis are an awful people with a terrible, corrupt government. In, in 2012, he tweeted, Get it straight. Pakistan is not our friend. We've given them billions and billions of dollars, and what did we get? Betrayal and disrespect, and much worse. Hashtag time to get tough. Ooh, time to... Oh, man, that was before he got on the sad train. <laughs> sad. Sad. So... Yeah. What, I mean, really, yeah, our, our relationship with Pakistan has been shit for years. Like, it, it's, it's very complicated. It's, very, it's extremely complicated. It's a, There's of a lot of, lot of ins, a lot of outs. Well, of course, Pakistan is where we, uh, where we realized, where we found Osama bin Laden to be. Uh, Pakistan is also a nation that we have flown... Um, Unwanted by them, multiple military drones over their uh, civilian populations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pakistan is also where a lot of the individuals who go to fight in Afghanistan, um, where they go to during non-war season. It's where Bin Laden was. Uh, exactly. And, uh, you know, so it, it's very interesting. Um, what ha- Pakistan, it, it is a very convoluted, like all of our relationships with the Middle East, but Pakistan specifically, uh, it, it's extremely... Um, it, it is just extremely complicated, and, and Donald Trump doesn't seem to be understanding the nuances of our foreign policy, specifically regarding Pakistan. Well, this is a part of the readout of the conversation between Donald Trump uh, and uh, this guy, the Pakistan's prime minister, Nawaz Sharif. This is, and also let's say it's as released by Pakistan's press information department. Uh, here it says... 
President Trump said, Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif, you have a very good reputation. You are a terrific guy. You are doing amazing work, which is visible in every way. I am looking forward to see you soon. As I am talking to you, Prime Minister, I feel I am talking to a person I have known for long. Your country is amazing, with tremendous opportunities. Pakistanis are one of the most intelligent people. I am ready and willing to play any role that you want me to play to address and find solutions to the outstanding problems. I mean, it just it it does, you're right, Marcus. It reads like a salesman just so desperate to sell a goddamn blender in the suburbs when everybody is juicing. Yeah. You know, he's just so desperate. He's like, "Well, the Nutribullet's good, but have you tried a blender? Have we thought about the you can just put a whole pineapple in this blender. You can't do that with the Nutribullet." Yeah. It is it is uh And people are taking that seriously. People are taking, taking this conversation extremely Everything seriously. Everything has to be taken seriously. Yeah. He's the president elect of the United States, and now he wants to go and, and uh, have this sort of conversation with the leader of Pakistan. Again, a very complex relationship. Yeah. And, you know, the relationship between Pakistan and India, I mean, we're talking two nuclear powers here. Oh, of course. I mean, that, that, that that's what people don't realize about this stuff, is that, you know, the the, the phone call to, to Taiwan, I mean, that's there's nuclear weapons involved there. You know, like with Trump, with Pakistan and India, like those are two countries that have been waiting to throw the first punch for sure. decades yes i mean and in and, and pakistan and india it's actually interesting when it talks you know uh, discussing the proliferation of nuclear weapons they are looked at at the two prime as the two prime examples of how nuclear weapons actually prevent war yeah and provide peace there is a lot of political uh, well military theory that the uh, pro, uh, you know spreading new uh pro, pro, Proliferation. Sound like a, a whale. <laughs> Proliferation of nuclear weapons could actually deter uh, war, right? Because then the, the 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 I mean, this is sort of why we've had proxy wars with the Russians as opposed to an actual land battle, you know. And of course, you could argue that Syria is currently the modern uh, proxy war between us and the old Ruskies there. Um, so you know, you look at India, and, and it's a great point. And Pakistan, two nuclear powers who. Um, I mean, this stuff is this is real. This is very real stuff. Mm -hmm. And does Donald Trump realize that when he does tweet, uh, you know, ab about these conversations, it diminishes the seriousness of the situation? Mm -hmm. I don't think that he fully understands that as a concept. And again, I think that is a direct result of a person who isn't necessarily the intellect for the job. No, I, I think he's a great entertainer. He's he, an amazing, he's a great salesman, like you said. Yeah, but this is this is dangerous world stuff. Yeah. This is very real world stuff. This is concrete stuff. And, you know, uh, and we were talking about it before the show, like we had to look up the uh, history between Taiwan and China. Uh, we had to look up what's going on in Pakistan right now. This foreign policy stuff, this is stuff that Americans have been used to not paying attention to for yeah. the last eight, you know, 12, 15, you know, 20 years. Like we don't really have to pay attention to our relationship to Taiwan. We don't have to pay attention to our relationship. Uh, with Pakistan because we kind of just figure that they've got it handled. Like yeah, we don't sure. have to worry about that because we can't worry about everything. That it's just impossible for you to worry about all the different moving parts in America that keep America going and keep the peace moving. Uh, but now it's like you said, we've got a toddler. Now you don't know what he's going to get into. Well, you just, don't know where he's going to end up or how he's going to act when he gets there. It's very destabilizing. Yeah. Very destabilizing. Um, and we'll end with his uh, with his thoughts on flag burning. But just really quick, I want to give you guys an update on Trump's cabinet. Now, this is another situation where Donald Trump is, is angering both sides. And to some degree, I kind of uh, enjoy that. Mm -hmm. His cabinet, in my personal opinion isn't looking as horrendous as it possibly could. He's not draining the swamp whatsoever. I mean, the, the swamp is, is, uh, is, is full as uh, ever. If you take into account Newt Gingrich's tears alone, that swamp is overflowing with liquid. Um, <laughs> but he has appointed, uh, I think, roughly nine people, uh, maybe a little bit more. Obviously, the chief of staff is Reince Priebus. The chief strategist is Stephen Bannon, who was a, a very hot-button issue for quite a while. National Security Advisor is Michael Flynn. And then recently, he has Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who Jeff Sessions, we talked about him briefly on the last episode. He's a very, I believe he's the Louisiana guy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's sort of... Real piece of shit. 
Yeah, you know his his voting his his, his human rights and civil rights voting record is, is pretty atrocious. And and you know it's interesting having these individuals who are in office for so long in the year 2016. And this is why I am so Jeff Sessions is a perfect example to me of why I am so for number one getting rid of all this redistricting, getting rid of all this gerrymandering. Everything should be cut into squares by math by by the numbers of people that live in in these districts we should take into account no identity politics whatsoever and then term limits i mean mm-hmm. it is unbelievable you have individuals who were in office uh, for as long as jeff sessions with a horrific history on human and civil rights that can still be there we need to have and you know i was talking i did uh megan mccain's show recently and i was talking to her uh sidekick his name is mike bauer he's a great guy and uh she asked me why does able against top hat do so well and i say it's because we try to be as unpartisan or as bipartisan as possible and we try not to really take polar polarizing views because both of them are by nature going to force you to have um you know confirmation bias and to be ignorant Mm -hmm. right and uh, and so Bauer was like, how would you possibly fix it? Because we are living in such a deep, you know, you're a red district or you're a blue district. Everything is so entrenched. And I think the one thing you got to do, again, gerrymandering, redistricting, reshuffle the Scrabble board on that and got to get these people term limits so they're not just constantly fundraising. Yeah. Um, anyway. Not constantly fundraising, but and you also have to remember like someone like Robert Byrd that was in oh, the sure. Senate from 1950 uh, to from 1959 until 2010 in the Senate long enough to switch from the KKK to not the KKK. Yep. I mean, from that, a Dixiecrat to a Republican. Exactly. Yep. And that is not like that shouldn't we should have new ideas in there. We we have to have people we have but it has to change with the country. And uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier with with Tim Ryan and the 76-year-old Nancy Pelosi. Uh, it is 76 years old, been there for so so many years. You gotta go. You gotta go. We you need to. we need new brains. We need new thoughts. We just need people who understand the realities of modern world, of the yeah. modern world, and the, and the modern nation. And we've talked about it again and again. The Supreme Court doesn't use email. And, I mean, it and, is ridiculous. Yeah, they don't use email. And you've got people on the you know Senate technology, but you know people that are making decisions about the internet, people that are making decisions about how technology affects our lives every day, stuff like net neutrality. Uh, you have people that are voting on this stuff and debating about this stuff who are only listening to lobbyists because they have no fucking clue what's going on. They have no idea That's how technology it. works or how it really affects our day-to-day lives. So they are depending on lobbyists to tell them what to think and that lobbyists can mm-hmm. tell them whatever the lobbyists can make it sound like it's the best deal that the American public has ever had. And because this guy, because whoever he's talking to happens to be in his late 70s and has right. no idea about any of this shit. And needs money for re-election. And needs money Boom, for re-election. So so it's a, it's a two for one for him. He gets money and he doesn't have to do his job. That's it. And the American people lose. The CIA is going to be the Tea Party uh, hero or one of the Tea Party darlings. Mike Pompeo. UN Nikki Haley is uh, going to be the ambassador to the UN. A lot of people uh, who were drain the swamp, get rid of all the elitists in Washington. That kind of crowd was interesting to watch. Uh, because they absolutely oppose Nikki Haley. I mm-hmm. mean, Nikki Haley certainly opposed Donald Trump, but I actually think to, to give the guy a little bit of credit. Again, we talked about it. She was all up. She was all for her boy Marco Rubio. She, of course, being an uh, in immigrant, uh, first generation uh, from immigrant parents from India. Uh, but the fact that he reached out to her, I thought was a good thing. Yeah. Uh, Betsy DeVos for education. She's a little bit controversial because she is very pro uh, charter school. She's never sent her ch- children to public schools whatsoever. I am not completely against charter schools whatsoever. I think there could be a massive benefit to charter, charter schools. But people find her because she doesn't really have a history in education to be a controversial decision. But we'll see. I mean, we got to give these people a shot. I don't think she's even. I don't think she even went to public school herself. It's, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think this is a woman who has no idea what public school is all about. And that's. I mean, if I was an educator right now, I'd be horrified. But on the other hand, can it get any fucking worse? That's and that's Trump's. You know? That's his entire platform. <laughs> that's his entire I mean, as platform. A, as far as you know, as far as education goes, like, is it going to get any worse than teaching to the test and gigantic classrooms that are way no. too large for a teacher uh, to really control? Like, can it get yeah. What what is she going to do to make it any worse? I want to see a country without Common Core, and I know that's one of my conservative tendencies. 
tendencies, but I just fully believe in my heart these these teaching to the test, like you just said, Marcus. This this uh, you know it, these bubble sheets. It's you off. know it, it's just not how you create a, a mind. It's no. not how you gain knowledge. It's just not how people learn. At least not how people. Uh, that's not how I learned, and that's really the only thing I can go on here. And a lot of my classmates weren't learning that way either. So Nobody, I, I am for a shakeup in the education of this country. Yeah, we man. spend more money per per student than any country on earth, and we aren't getting any results. And there's a problem. It's because of bureaucracy, and it's part of it's it's because of corruption. I mean, yeah, it's not exactly like it said. The reason why we spend so much money is because there's so many people making money. I mean, the standardized test business is gigantic. I mean, you've got the people that make them, the people that grade them, the people uh, that manufacture the tests themselves. Like, it, it's a gigantic cottage industry that a lot of people are lining their pockets with. Totally. The people uh, who dresses the SAT for Christmas. Yeah. Well, I mean, for Halloween, <laughs> rather. You know, you just staple a bunch yeah. of SATs to you and make a suit. Yeah, and we don't, uh, and that's the problem with the, the, the common core with it, you know, with all the standardized testing is that really you're not supposed to be taught facts. You're supposed to be taught how to think. And yeah. we don't know how to think. And that is a, I think that also has uh, backed us into a corner in a hell of a lot more ways than one here in America. Absolutely. So now we got some Wall Street people that uh, the people that literally uh, Hillary Clinton was openly uh, despised for speaking to for mm-hmm. a high fee. Will, uh, Wilbur Wilbur Ross yeah. is going to be commerce. HHS is Tim uh, Tom Price. Transportation Elaine Cho. Treasury Steve Mnuchin. Mnuchin? Uh, who is a controversial uh, choice in some ways. He is just a total Wall Street guy and you know I mean a lot of people who again voted voted against uh, Wall Street in supporting uh, Donald Trump are a little bit upset because Treasury it is just the exact same person yeah. running it as always. Yeah. You know it's just Wall Street running the Treasury once again. Uh, and of course his recent uh, appointment for Secretary of Defense Mad Dog. Yeah like the bad wine. James <laughs> James N. Matisse, Mattis, uh, who is a general's general and uh, is relatively hawkish. Um, at the same time, he does seem to have high accolades amongst his peers. People say he's rational, reasonable. He's definitely going to be more, uh, he will be more, a, a little bit more hawkish um, than, who, than who we've seen previously, um, Gates and the, and the likes. But uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll give the guy a shot. At the very least, his resume is worthy. They did have to uh, pass a new law or will have to pass a new law or a get rid of a law, which ironically enough, you have to pass a law to get rid of a law. Uh, you, have, you usually have to have seven years removed from military experience in order to hold this position. But he just recently, uh, he just resigned in 2011. You want to hear some quotes from uh, General Mattis? Only if you do it like you have a cigar in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Do I have a... Uh-huh. Oh, that's a microphone. That's a microphone. He's oh. putting a microphone in his mouth. All right, it's maybe too big. Be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everybody you meet. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Trump said he's he's the closest thing to Patton that we got. Uh-huh. That was a, yeah, that was his piece of advice to Marines oh in Iraq. Uh, what is it? He said. I come in fish. I didn't bring artillery, but I'm pleading with you with tears in my eyes. If you fuck with me, I'll kill y'all. Wow, he's like a cartoon <laughs> character. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, there's really nothing better than getting shot at and missed. It's really great. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, there's nothing better than getting shot at and missed. That's yeah. got to make you feel alive for the yeah. second time. It's the closest thing to being a cat. Yeah, he says, you, you go in Afghanistan, you got guys who slap women around for five years because they didn't wear a bell. You know, guys like that ain't got no manhood left anyway. So it's a hell of a lot of fun to shoot them. Actually, it's quite fun to fight them. You know, it's a hell of a hoot. It's fun to shoot some people. I mean, that. I can see why the military loves him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, going back to our interview with Tamim a few episodes yeah. ago, uh, you know, the desire to kill is sort of, it's a, it's a tenet. It's a, one of those core beliefs that many people in the military will uh, will have to hold on to if they want to be a successful serviceman. Yeah. Woman. I mean, I, I, you know, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I, I say if, if the military is, is really behind this guy, then maybe it's a good bit. I need to look into it more uh, before I uh, before I really make an, uh, yeah, before I, I have an opinion on it but I mean from what I've seen I haven't seen a single military serviceman anything but ecstatic about this decision right and uh, of course it's not as if we have been a nation at peace for these past eight years mm. it's just the war has not been covered we're still in the middle uh, of the longest war in our country's history we just had 15 years at Afghanistan absolutely so you know what there's something almost refreshing about um, Trump wanting to uh, not not hide behind behind a, a PR campaign yeah. of peace. Uh, I think you know Trump 
every single uh, fight that we have under a President Trump will be exploited for the most amount of political gain as humanly possible, as opposed to Barack Obama, who still has a Nobel Peace Prize and um, and pretends as if uh, everything's been calm under his reign, when in reality we know the truth uh, to be the largest expansion of the United States uh, in history, and uh, the drones are just, I mean, a terrible president that are coming. Speaking of president, um, they are coming to America one one gift at a time over Christmas. Apparently, drones are the number one gifts this Christmas. Yeah, and I want to shoot every single one down from the sky, <laughs> but I don't have a gun, and it, it's just horrifying. The kids are going to be so thrilled to have a uh, a peeping tom device. That's it. That's all. What do you do with a drone? You put it up in the sky, and then you just peek through people's. I, oh, I hell, hate it. South Park did a whole episode about that like two years ago. <sighs> yeah, we're, we're definitely we're in the surveillance age, not just the government surveilling us, but us surveilling each other. Absolutely. And it's 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 dangerous. I do not like these drones one bit. Surve- and how horrifying is that? Surveillance and information. That's it. That's it. And of course, and all Ash, of it's bad. Yeah. Ash Carter is our current secretary of defense, and he looks like the the guy from Herbie the Love Bug. <laughs> <laughs> I always mention Herbie the Love Bug or Kirby. Those are my two mentions. <laughs> but, uh-huh. Buddy Hackett. He looks like Buddy Hackett. He does look like Buddy Hackett. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's where Trump's cabinet is mm-hmm. currently at. He obviously has a few more positions to fill, many of them. Of course, mm-hmm. Mitt Romney's still in the running for Secretary of State. I believe James Bolton is as well, or John Bolton, rather. And, uh, and of course, Rudy Giuliani's so desperate for that spot. Oh, yeah, and uh, Douglas Brinkley, a presidential historian at Rice University, about Giuliani and Gingrich. He, just, he said, I think Giuliani and Gingrich are just loose fruits right now. Loose flutes. Loose fruits. Loose fruits? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> They're just that no one knows where to put them. A loose fruit. A loose fruit. Put yeah. them in a basket. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. I mean, who knows? Newt Gingrich, and it is fun again. It's fun to see him just not care about Newt. Yeah. And not really care about Rudy Giuliani, mm-hmm. who, um, yeah, who is Roger Stone, by the way, also hates Rudy Giuliani, but yeah. that's for a whole I mean, other. We all hate. No, as a matter of Mark Levin, Mark Levin and Rudy. Mark Levin's a, a relatively successful uh, conservative radio host, and he worked in the administration with Reagan. They absolutely despise each other, but who knows? That's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's just close things out here with the uh, assault on the First Amendment, which is really all. It is what it is. Uh, of course, Donald Trump saying that if you burn the American flag. Uh, you should be sentenced to either one year in prison or be given a, uh, a hard fine. Mm-hmm. or And lose your citizenship. Lose your citizenship. Yes, that's correct. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because obviously completely unconstitutional will never happen. It no. is, it, you know, in 1989, 1990, I believe it was 69 that the first case uh, came to the Supreme Court. And conservative court, liberal court, everyone agrees. The, it's, it's, it's free speech. You, you can burn it's the American. common sense. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's not common sense, though. It's very American. You know, yeah. you go to China and burn the Chinese flag, you're going to have yourself a whole series of problems. You yeah. know, and, 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 and other nations are much stricter on their, uh, on the, on, uh, uh, you know, on their flag and either uh, on their national identity. And you really can't, uh, you know, do it. It's extremely American to uh, to have the right to burn the American flag. And I personally hate seeing the uh, American flag burned. I think it's a it's a waste of a, a good product that was made in China, um, <laughs> and uh, and that's not right. No, I really, I mean, I don't, I hate the idea. I really, I mean, I yeah. was like, but no, at the I same time, seen an American flag burn too. I, I, I don't fucking like it. Hate it. You know, I, I absolutely despise it. Um, but at the same time, you are within your First Amendment rights to do it. However. Um, how is Donald Trump saying that? Why is he saying that? And I think that does need to be looked into. You know, nationalism, identity, who we are as an American people. What Trump ran on was this, uh, there, was this notion that there was an assault on Americanism and what the brand is, like Coca-Cola. Uh, what is the brand of America? And how is it being changed by the influx of of different individuals coming into the country, uh, pop uh, culture, and globalism. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what he's hitting on. Uh, and, you know, obviously, again, completely unconstitutional, and it will stand. Uh, you, you will be able to burn the American flag. But people in the middle of this country, all over this nation, are wondering what is this country. And they're, they're seeking an identity, and they lost it over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, and the American people have been looking for a government to take care of themselves, looking for a government that is proud of who they are as a person. Right now, the American people feel like a a kid who is just so desperate for the affection of their father. And you have somebody like Barack Obama, who I 
although I don't necessarily believe it to be 100% true, there is a perception by a lot of Americans that Barack Obama has been apologetic for our country for eight years. Mm. When he first came into office, obviously, the Bush administration made a, so many foreign policy mistakes, you can hardly even count them. When he, when he went on his first tour, uh, you know, it, it wasn't, it was, you know, sort of coined the apology tour, and to some degree it was. His last tour that he just took, uh, where he called the American people uh, confused and basically, um, uh, inferred that they were bigoted, uh, even though, you know, he's, he's a black man who is in the most powerful office in the world. Uh, there's a certain irony in all that. Donald Trump is, he has been playing into that desire for nationalism, the desire for national identity. It's not just Trump. I mean, um, it's countries all over the world. It, it Brexit, of course. Well, in the white Europe. countries all over the world. But, I mean, other countries are extremely nationalistic. You know? Oh, I know. I mean, but look at Israel, for crying out loud. But currently, the uh, rise of nationalism in white countries, that it's really been in white countries that nationalism has been on the extreme uptick. Yeah, okay, of course. Like, well, definitely Israel has been up. They've been nationalistic for decades. But it's countries like America, France, uh, and the United Kingdom, that it's really starting uh, to rise up. You know, and if you look at the situations that those civilians are having to deal with, I mean, France, I mean, the, the attack in Nice and the attack, uh, uh, the uh, the attack at the Eagles of Death Metal concert, the um, I forget the name of the town uh, with the with the soccer, uh, you know, game as well. Those countries are dealing with a situation that not other countries are having to deal with. Right. Like there isn't a huge amount of um, people swimming to Cuba. The, it, it comes to here. Right. Like, you know, there isn't. Uh, so this this nation and, and I. I do understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree, but Western nations seem to be the only ones being demonized for wanting to have a national identity, or at least that's how a lot of Americans specifically feel about their pride in their country. They feel as if they're being uh, told that they shouldn't have it because we live in a global world now. Get over it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where that don't burn the American flag what that symbolizes, what that tweet symbolizes to people who want America to come and uh, and and be um, the, the brand they want it to be the brand they want to buy. Uh, they want uh, they want some more nationalistic pride, and of course, this is a very dangerous thing because nationalism can get out of control very quickly. Oh yeah, and uh, and that doesn't uh, you know there's a fine difference uh, between having pride in your nation and and, and feeling as if uh, your nation is the only one that should exist. Um, or your uh, ideology within that nation is the only one that should exist. And I think that's the more dangerous thing, uh, is that you know people yeah. thinking, people deciding what their country should be and deciding that the only way to make it that country is through violence, intimidation, uh, and various other Gestapo-like tactics. On all sides. I mean, the violence, in this, uh, the violence under Obama, the protests and the riots, it's been coming from all sides. And people are just, you know, the culture war is real, and it, the culture war isn't, about Starbucks not having the right messaging on their cups. Uh, the culture war is really, truly, what America do they want to live in and what America are they currently living in? And if they're not happy with the one, and it doesn't seem like anyone is happy with their current America, you know, we're going to see a lot of turbulent times. And I don't know if Trump is going to be able to be a leader to, uh, uh, you know, connect uh, you the don't, dots. You don't know if Trump is going to be able to be the leader? I don't. Maybe Fucking people... Christ, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so, no. But we no, have to give... I don't of know. Of course not. That's why we're going through two times, because we're about to go through a time yeah. with no leader whatsoever. Uh, it, yeah. it's, we're all going to be left up to our own devices now. I think this, the next four years is going to be the true test of America. Is, if this is if we can if we can do this ourselves, no gods, no masters, you know, if, if we can make yeah. it work just us, then I think that will be the true test of America. And goddamn, I hope we do it. I I, I really do yeah. hope that we come out of the other side of this. And I do believe we can, and I do believe we will. Uh, but it is going to be shaky for a little while. Yeah, and it, it's just it's just you know, social media is just so negative, driven by negativity. It it really is sort of playing into people's minds and really getting in their heads. And in yeah. reality, like. When was the last time you saw somebody be extremely mean-spirited to somebody else? Like, you see people being nice on a daily basis, and then social media just pretends as if you didn't see it and everything is terrible. That's true. You know, you see every day someone's doing something very kind for somebody else right in front of your eyes. And I think we just have to sort of, you know, don't, don't take a picture of it like it's your lunch and you're on Instagram. You know, just like, rec <laughs> just but like, recognize absor it. Ab absorb it. Exactly. Absorb it. Recognize you know, it. It's yeah, it is all perception yeah. and there's good and evil everywhere. And I think, you know, we'll just have to try to pick out some of the good 
and counterbalance all of the negativity that is driving the modern media, which is social media. Yeah, just remember that the internet is not real life. Yeah, you know, <laughs> what, what the real life that the the things that matter uh, are right there in front of you. It's it's what happens in your interaction with other human beings on a day to day basis. That's real life. That's what yeah. matters. And remember, you you can burn your own flag, but don't burn somebody else's <laughs> because that's that's their property. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's just destruction of private property. It's not good. <laughs> and I, by the way, also I know I said shoot down the drones, or I would like to, but you can't you because can't. that's also vandalism. Yeah. Which if I was president, I'd change that law. If the, if a drone is over your airspace, I think if the drone. Shoot on, it down. I think if the drone's on your land, you can shoot it down. No, there was that case. We talked about it, I think, on Roundtable, where somebody had a drone watching this guy's daughters, and he shot it down, and he was charged with vandalism or destruction of private property. Jesus. Yeah. Maybe I was I not there for that? No, one? I think you were there. Huh? It happens all the time. What do you know? I hate these drones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, all right, everyone. Uh, thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, you can find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks, Instagram Marcus Parks. I'm on Instagram at Ben Kissel One, and I am learning. Marcus showed me a few tricks yesterday. Yeah, a <laughs> few tricks. They're, your buttons. <laughs> They're tricks. Everything is a trick. I just to me. showed you how to use it. Tricks. <laughs> What is the difference? I think it's a bit of a trickery. To me, it's like all witchcraft. Yeah. Until proven otherwise. And you can find me on Twitter at Ben Kissel as well. And uh, thanks so much for supporting all the shows here on CCR. And we'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.